0: But well, when I was a child, my parents made the interesting decision that I wasn't too small or too young to be able to engage passionately in the work that God was doing. Again, probably a part of this was the fact that we were church planting and it was only the six of us and so we all had to do something. But again, they made this decision to say that I had an active part to play in what God was doing in the life of the church that we were starting. And this made a profound impression on me. Again, I got to be involved with all kinds of things that fit. I could sweep up the floors, I could be involved with praying, and I always knew somehow that we were living in the community that we were in in order that people would come to know Jesus and find relationship with him. And the intentionality of that really stuck with me. And it made an interesting bond and connection for me with the idea of the life of the church that has grown and developed and stuck with me all the way through my life. Because early on, my parents said, you are an important part of what God is doing in this particular church and in this community. And as you know, we're in a series called Remarkable, looking at the life of Jesus through the gospel of Mark. And last week, Pastor Michael explained to us this idea about the dangers of excluding other people who are also following Jesus because they might be slightly different than we are, or out of our own fears or pride or insecurities. And today's passage has some interesting connections to that passage. And so today we're going to dive in with Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. So you can feel free to pull out your Bible or your Bible app, whatever might be most handy-dandy for you this morning. Uh, And we'll look at this passage together. We read, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Again, this passage gives us a really interesting perspective of the role and the life of children within the context of the community of faith and the kingdom of God. And I love how this passage starts off. It reminds us that people were bringing the children in their life to Jesus to place his hands on them. And this was kind of a traditional way of blessings. You would put your hands on someone and proclaim the blessing of God over them. And when I read this passage, I feel like this is exactly how we feel. This is exactly what we want for the children in our lives. We want them to come to see Jesus and to know him and to walk with him. Because if you know Jesus, you recognize that there's nothing better or more life-giving, more valuable than a relationship with him. And so this is what we long for for the children that we have in our lives, that they also would see Jesus and know him and walk with him. Again, maybe for some of us also, when we look at the children in our lives, we recognize the areas where we maybe failed to walk with Jesus faithfully or some of the damage or the hurt that we experienced. And what we really want for them is that we could somehow spare them from the hardness of the things that we had to go through. We want them to not have to struggle in the ways that we did. And for most of us, we can recognize the spaces in our lives where we chose not to pursue Jesus passionately, we always have some kind of regret about that. And so we long that the children in our midst would come to see Jesus and know Him, to walk with Him in faithfulness in a way that would spare them from those kinds of regrets. And when we look at this passage, I find it interesting that it doesn't say the parents were bringing the children to Jesus, it just says the people Again, these are the other people in these children's lives. It could be their parents, maybe it's their grandparents. Maybe it's their aunts or their uncles, their teachers, their coaches. Maybe it's older children in their lives, whoever it might be. It's just people who know Jesus saying, I want the children in my life to experience more of Him. And We recognize in our culture, it's such a critical phase, an important time to introduce people to Jesus. We know today in North America, approximately two-thirds of the people who are following Jesus today receive Jesus before the age of 18 about 43% of those before the age of 12. Because there's something significant that happens when we get to know Jesus early and to walk out that relationship with him. And so this is the desire of our hearts, and this is what we see in this passage. People who are excited that the little ones in their life would get to know Jesus, be blessed by him, and have a chance to experience him. And so they're bringing the children to Jesus. But, as often happens, they hit an obstacle We read, the disciples rebuked them. This is an interesting idea. The disciples are getting all uppity. They're getting all proud. They're getting all pushy, and they're saying, we don't think these children should have access to Jesus. They're starting to push them back. They're saying, we don't think these children are important enough or significant enough. They're not really worthy of Jesus' time. And again, the disciples understood the amount of pressure that Jesus was under, the healing, the preaching, the delivering people from evil, all the significant work that Jesus was doing. And they just thought that children were fairly insignificant. And this was a, a part of their culture at the time, that children were often sort of pushed aside and excluded and not seen as having very much value. And so the disciples just said, Jesus isn't worth, your children aren't worth Jesus' time. And have you ever had a moment where you hit an obstacle have you ever had a space where you're trying to bring someone into a closer relationship with Jesus, and you just hit something? Again, maybe it's every time you go to have a meaningful conversation with one of the children in your life, you just feel like something else comes up, or there's some kind of distraction, or something gets in the way. Maybe when you go to pray, or to talk to them about God, you just feel insecure, or you feel unsure of yourself. Or you somehow feel inadequate with your own story and all of your doubts and insecurities rise up. Maybe when you go to invite them to something, it just feels like things fall flat. Or maybe you can recognize particular ways that we as a church have stifled or hindered the work of God in the life of your family. Maybe there's some kind of an obstacle that's been in the way of you or the children in your life experiencing more of the presence of God and walking with Him closely. But I want to encourage you, we will so often hit obstacles, but don't ever give up. Don't ever stop pursuing more of Jesus or inviting uh, the children in your life to come to know him more, or praying for them or ent- encouraging them to continue to walk closer with him, because it really is worth it. And the fascinating thing is that Jesus is passionate to know the children in your life, that they would have the opportunity to know him and to walk with him as well. As we read in our passage, when Jesus saw this, when Jesus saw that the disciples were rebuking these people, he was indignant and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Again, When Jesus sees this happening, he's indignant, he's angry, he's frustrated. Remember last week when Pastor Michael was preaching, Jesus took a fairly soft response to the ways the disciples were hindering people, and here Jesus kind of just lets them have it. Because Jesus is just angry and he's frustrated. There's a kind of frustration that rises within him when the children are being hindered. Because Jesus doesn't see these children as insignificant. Jesus doesn't see these children as secondary. He doesn't see them as uh, somehow lesser than the adults around them. Jesus sees them and longs that they also would have free and open access to his presence. And I think with Jesus, anytime you see Jesus interacting with children, there's a kind of ease, there's a kind of tenderness. As we read in verse 16, He took the children in His arms and placed His hands on them and blessed them. There's a kind of delight that Jesus has in the easy and the open faith of a child. And so He welcomes them in freely. (coughs) And Jesus desires also that the children in our lives would have free and open access to Him. Jesus doesn't see the children in our lives as somehow lesser or insignificant. He doesn't see them as not being capable of playing a significant role in the work that he's doing. Jesus pronounces that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And so he invites us to engage them freely and openly. And this challenges our mindset. It's challenged us to ask the question, are there things in our minds or in our hearts and our families in the way that we view our life as a church that is hindering the children's ability and capacity to embrace Jesus freely and openly? Again, maybe even subtly in church, we view the children around us as a distraction. And so often parents in a service feel so much pressure if their child cries or makes noise because they don't want to distract anybody around them, and it puts a really significant level of unhealthy pressure on them. Maybe when we think about the children in the life of the church, we see them as the church of tomorrow, instead of recognizing that in the eyes of Jesus, the children in our midst are a significant and a vital part of the church today. Maybe we think that children don't have the capacity or the ability to play a significant role in the kingdom of God moving forward and the beautiful things that God is doing in us. And maybe subtly we think that we need to just have them sit passively for a time before they actively engage in ministry but they have the same Holy Spirit of God active and alive and powerfully at work within them that we have powerfully at work within us. There is no junior version of the Holy Spirit. This is why I'm so grateful for our kids' ministry, because I love the way that they champion the kids in our midst. I love the way that they engage with them freely to remove any kind of obstacle for them to experience Jesus freely and openly in a way that is understandable and meaningful to them. And so in our life as a community, what needs to shift in our mindset or in our structures to allow children to freely and openly access the presence of Jesus? But this isn't just about our life as a community of faith. This is also about what happens in the life and context of our family, whether it's our nuclear family or our broader family as a whole. Are there things in our family life that are hindering our children from engaging Jesus well? Are we so overly busy? Are we too insecure about our own faith journey to be able to openly and actively share that with the children around us as well? Are there significant ways that we can invite them in through reading the Scripture together or some kind of devotional book through praying together? Are there ways that we are sharing the journey that Jesus is taking us on freely and in an appropriate way with our children as we engage with them? When I think about this, I'm reminded of a woman named Susanna who lived just before the beginning of the 1700s and into the first part of the 1700s. And Susanna had a husband named Samuel. Now, Samuel wasn't uh, typically a very helpful sort of a husband. He didn't really support her well or the children well. He wasn't really active in life with them. And she had a whole lot of pressure on her raising a significant number of children. One of the things that Susanna decided to do was she wanted to make sure that they really engaged with Jesus well. And so every week she would have an individual conversation with every one of her children about the scripture and about God and what God was doing in their life. She taught them to read the word of God and to pray. And she modeled for them really well what it looked like to live a life of prayer Again, it's the 1700s, so there's no way you can put on a show for the kids and have private time on your own. So what Susanna would do is what she would go and she would sit down in a particular corner and she would pull an apron up over the top of her head and the kids all around her knew that whenever she was sitting like that, she was in the presence of God and they needed to respect that time. And they saw her every single day model this life of prayer, the space of engaging with Jesus. And one of her children, John, grew up to be John Wesley, who was a powerful and an influential person in the revivals that took place in, Eng- in England. He founded the Methodist movement that circled all around the world and introduced people to a personal and a meaningful relationship with God that they had never known before for many of them. Another one of her sons, Charles, wrote many of hymns, some of them that we still, that we still sing today, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Christ the Lord is Risen Today. But this foundation was set for them at an early age, As their mother, with very little support from the people around her, chose intentionally to pursue a relationship with Jesus for her children, to passionately pray for them, to model for them what it looked like to pursue God and to walk with him. And so what are the changes that we need to make in our hearts, in our minds, in our homes, in our life as a church that may be hindering the children in our midst from receiving Jesus and walking with him freely and well? Because can you imagine what this could look like? a year from now, or five years from now, or ten, or twenty, or fifty, or a hundred. If the children within our midst grew up with an understanding that they are treasured and delighted in the sight of God, that that they're not passive observers or consumers of religious goods and services, but they have an active role to play in the redeeming work that God is doing right here and right now, whatever their age may be. What would it look like if we could release them into intimacy with Jesus and into the life of ministry in a way that is healthy and appropriate without too much pressure, but in a way that honors them uniquely? What if we let them come to Jesus to be blessed by Him? Because this passage gives us a unique challenge that we would be this kind of people, that we could remove any kind of hindrances that are in their way from experiencing Jesus and walking with Him faithfully and well. Now, just for a few minutes, I want to come back to verse 15, because Jesus challenges us that it's not just about us removing the hindrances for the life of the children. He reminds us that there are significant things that we also need to learn from the children around us as well. Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And when I think about this passage, I think about Christmas morning. Again, for us it's Christmas morning. For some of you who cheat, it's Christmas Eve when you open your presents, but we'll forgive you for that. Uh, again, have you ever watched kids at Christmas opening presents? What does that look like? Again, it's this huge delight. It's kind of like carnage. There's bits of paper flying everywhere all over the place. There's squeals of delight. It's an overwhelming experience. There's passion and there's ease. Children receive see things really freely and openly. And so when we think about how children receive, I think the two things that it reminds me of, there's a lot of passion in how children receive, and children receive very freely. They don't have a problem when someone gives them something good to take it and to hold on to it. I think these are some of the things that Jesus is saying to us about how we need to receive the kingdom of God. And so to receive the kingdom of God with passion and with freedom and ease and with joy and delight, Or do you have a more difficult time engaging with the kingdom of God? Again, are you as passionate to receive more of the presence of Jesus as you are to receive a really good gift? I find this interesting in my own life, because when you think about it logically, it just makes sense. Again, in my devotional space every day, I get to just be in the presence of Almighty God the creator and sustainer of the universe. I get to hear His heart. I get to express the concerns and the needs on mine. What could possibly be more exciting? But it's interesting how much we can get distracted by the things around us and find so many other things much more exciting and much more alluring and passion-filling. You know, think about the ways that we get passionate and excited when we watch a really good hockey game or a really good football game. There's a sense of cheering and delight and yelling and screaming and overwhelming joy in it. But do we have the same kind of passion and the same kind of joy to embrace a space to worship Jesus and to draw near to Him and to be close to Him? Again, if we're not this passionate about Jesus, why not? Can we recognize that he's the greatest thing? He's the supreme ruler over all things. Why don't we have the same level of passion to be in his presence? This morning, maybe for some of us, it's an element of fear. Maybe we're really afraid to get close to God because we know if we get close to him, we're going to have to deal with some of the areas of our life that we really don't want to deal with, the things we don't want to touch, the things we don't want to have to work through, and we're just afraid of what he might say to us if we get really close Or maybe we're afraid that if we get close to God, He'll just mess up our plans for our future or our family or the ways that we want things to go, and so we're just afraid to come into His presence. Some kind of an unhealthy fear of getting close to Him. Maybe for some of us, it's an aspect of pride. We're fairly self-sufficient, and we really think that we can do life without Him. We would rather be self-sustaining and in control of our own destiny than submit ourselves into the presence of the One who knows everything and can do everything. And maybe for some of us, we've gotten hard and cold and cynical through some of the pains and the disappointments of life. And I think cynicism is kind of like a cancer flowing through the life of our culture. It stifles our hope, it robs us of our joy, and so many of the good gifts that God has for us in every day and in every moment. Can I just ask you, who were you before you got cynical? Who were you before you became afraid to draw close to the presence of God? Who were you before you believed that you could do it all on your own? Because a really good question for all of us to continue to ask ourselves is why do we find it difficult to enter the presence of God? Why do we lack a sense of passion and delight to draw near to Him? If you've never spent some good time with Jesus on these questions, it's a really good conversation to have, because maybe you'll be a bit surprised about why you find it difficult to draw near to Him. Because He invites us to receive the goodness and the glory of His kingdom, the greatest thing imaginable, like a child receives the very best gifts, with a sense of overwhelming joy and passion and deep delight. And secondly, I think that for some of us, our struggle to receive the kingdom of God is significantly more dangerous than a lack of passion. For some of us, we live in profound spiritual danger because we struggle to receive the kingdom of God at all. Again, children receive all the gifts that they are given openly and freely. They don't have to try and convince themselves to just bring it right into their life. But for some of us, we have a really deep sense of unworthiness. And this unworthiness doesn't produce gratitude within us, because if we feel unworthy, sometimes that produces in us a deep sense of gratitude for the grace and mercy of God, but for some of us, we feel a really deep sense of unworthiness that leads us to feel like we have to earn our place in a relationship with God. I just want to gently remind you this morning, you can never earn your place in the presence of God. All of our efforts to produce life will never accomplish all of it. And for some of us, we give in to a very subtle lie that we think it's all about as much work as we can possibly do, and the presence of Jesus will fill up the rest. But the good news of our faith is that we cannot and we do not need to earn our place in a relationship with God. Jesus died for all of your sin and my sin, and he offers us this beautiful exchange that we can give to him all of our brokenness and our weakness and our woundedness and the sinfulness and the horrors within our life and he takes all of it and he places his own righteousness on us. You don't need to earn it and you never possibly could. And for some of us, we are in profound danger of missing the kingdom of God because we feel this deep need to try to earn it. And I think it would be something like Could you imagine if on Christmas morning you gave your children something really good that you knew they would just delight in? And as soon as your child opened up the present, immediately they got up and in a a panic, they started to do as many chores and as many things that they thought you wanted, that they wanted you to do as much as they possibly could to try to earn this really good gift that you were giving to them. Can you imagine how you'd feel? It would be tragic. It would be something so sad about seeing a child who felt that they need to try and work hard enough to earn the good gift that you were giving. But for many of us, this is how we are relating to our Heavenly Father. Because we've forgotten that He's the very best Father who delights to give good gifts. And that He offers to you and to me the gift of salvation as a free and an open gift that we could never earn. Again, certainly in the Christian life, there's effort that's required to give ourselves fully into pursuing Him and walking with Him, but that doesn't come first. The first thing that simply comes is just receiving the good gift of God's salvation and allowing the goodness of what Jesus does in us to propel us forward into obedience and holiness and goodness goodness and mission and action. And so don't miss the kingdom of God because you're afraid to receive it. Because as Jesus says, the only way to enter the kingdom of God, the only way to experience life in relationship with him, is simply to receive it with the same kind of freedom and joy and ease that a child will receive a really good gift. You have to let go of all of your attempts to earn it. And again today, if you're struggling to receive the kingdom of God or struggling to receive it with joy, maybe what you need is to spend some really good time with children. Jesus reminds us that we have so much to learn from them about the wonder and the exploration of life, about the ability to be passionate and free and uncynical and unafraid, to be able to boldly embrace the good things that are all around us and to receive the good things that God gives to us with a sense of freedom and a sense of openness. And maybe what you really need is just to spend some good time with some children who can teach you how to do that all over again. So this morning, I just want to bring us back to these two critical questions. Again the first question, in our own heart, in our own life, in our life as a community of faith, are there things that are hindering the children around us from receiving Jesus freely and openly and well? And if there are, what are we going to do about it? Is it our busyness or our lack of intentionality? Is it our fears, our insecurity? Is it that we've given up when we come up against obstacles? What might be hindering the children in your life from experiencing Jesus freely and well? And the second question, are you able to receive the kingdom of God like a child, with a sense of ease and freedom, with passion and joy and delight? And if not, what's in the way? Okay, let's just take a few minutes with Jesus. Let's just process one or both of these questions, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit raises to your mind, just spend some time talking to him about that this morning. And so, Father, we come to you, you who are the perfect and the ultimate parent. We ask you, Father, to give us your fatherly heart. Would you teach us what it looks like to walk with you faithfully and well? Lord, we ask your forgiveness for the ways that we have hindered the children in our lives from being able to receive you openly and freely. Would you give us your view, your eyes, your perspective of who they are? Would you guide us further to lead them faithfully into your presence so that they could be touched and blessed by you. And Lord, we ask for freedom to receive the kingdom of God like children do. Would you free us from our fear and our pride and our cynicism? Would you empower us to be able to let go of every bit of needing to earn it and coming to you? And Jesus, today, for the, in particular, for those who feel that they have to earn their place with you, we proclaim freedom in Jesus' name. We renounce and we set aside every need to try to earn it. And we choose, Father, simply to receive your salvation as a gift of grace. Would you empower us to receive it faithfully and well? Help us to walk in the wonder and the goodness that you offer to us each and every day. Fill us with a unique sense of passion and joy to simply be in your presence and to recognize the goodness of the gift that you are giving to us and how great your salvation is, so much greater than anything else and everything else in life all around us. Would you renew our joy? Would you strengthen our sense of hope? Would you help us to live faithfully as your children? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, this morning, if there's things that God is doing in your life, we'd like to invite you to, uh, to come forward for prayer following the service. There'll be a number of people who'll be here at the front. They would love to continue to pray with you and help you to journey through the things that God is working in your life for. Again, particularly, I've felt a lot of heaviness and pressure for a few people this morning who are really wrestling with this feeling that they have to earn their place with Jesus. And maybe you just need someone to pray with you about that or to, to bless you or to help you process some of the ways that you're struggling in this particular moment and in this day. Also, I'd like to remind you there's a cafe chat with Zuli that will take place in a few minutes, just in the cafe over there. It's gonna be an amazing conversation of uh, some of the beautiful things that Jesus is doing and some of the redemptive work that he's all about as well. And next Sunday we have a sections gathering. So all of us get to eat lunch together following this service. And we're encouraging you to bring a dessert for everyone to share together. And we're looking forward to that time to fellowship together. And I pray that as you go today, and throughout every single part of the week that you have, you'll be able to walk into it confident and sure that you have a heavenly Father who loves you and who delights in you, and that you would find freedom and passion in his presence. Let's go and let's make Jesus known this week. Amen.